This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate you tuning in to watch today. We may have those of you who are watching today for the very first time. May I welcome you to Getting to Know Your Bible. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing this subject, God's Good and Perfect Gifts. God's Good and Perfect Gifts. I hope that you'll stay tuned. On our telecast, we are now offering a free Bible Correspondence Course. Thousands of people are studying this course all over the world. We have students in all of the states in the United States and many, many foreign countries. We want you to have this Bible course as well. You say, well, what does it cost? It's free. It is free. Anything that we offer on getting to know your Bible is free. In the Bible courses we offer, the if you request a CD of one of the lessons, well, that's free. And we're making this available so that you can get better acquainted with the Bible. Now, we're going to pause for just a moment so that you can learn more about the course and so that you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from James, the first chapter, and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's found in James chapter 1 and verse 17. The gifts of God are just too numerous to mention every one of them in particular. One of the most thankful men that we read about in the Bible was David. That's over in the Old Testament. And when you read the book of Psalms, you find many prayers of thanksgiving on David's part. But for example, Psalms 103 and verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And David could not forget all of the things that God had done for him and given to him. Uh, David was not one of those that will go through life receiving blessings and uh, without ever bestowing uh, a thought on the bountiful giver. They come from God. Too, too many people are taking for granted the everyday blessings, such as the temporal blessings that we have. They think about the, the just the fact that we have the air to breathe and the, the rain and the sunshine, just, just those things, we, we take them for granted. 
gratitude for what has been done for us in the past should inspire us for the future. But how many times do we feel that, that God must owe us these blessings? Well, the fact is, uh, I, I've never read anywhere in the Bible that God owes us those blessings. They are good gifts and perfect gifts that God has given to us. So God's gifts are divided into two kinds, good and perfect. That's just like body and soul. The body is a good gift, but you and I know our bodies are not perfect, but the soul is a perfect gift. And let me give you some examples of God's good gifts. As I've already mentioned, there's the rain and there's the sunshine and the food that we have to eat, the clothing that we have on our backs, our the homes in which we live, the automobiles that we drive, the freedom that we have, our families, all of those are some of God's good gifts. And God's good gifts may and many of them must be given again and again. He continues to give us the rain and the sunshine and He continues to give us food and clothing and, and, uh, and shelter and the like. Those are blessings that must be given over and over and over again. For example, the sun comes up in the morning, but it goes down in the evening, only to come up again the next day and to repeat that cycle day after day and week after week, year after year, century after century, and on and on. Seed time and the harvest is another example of a good gift. And it's given over and over again. Genesis 8.22 promised that we would have the seed time and the harvest so long as the earth remains. And then Acts chapter 17 and 26, we're told that God made of one blood all men for to dwell on the face of the earth. So God's gifts are good gifts, but God has some perfect gifts. For example, uh, the Bible is a perfect gift of God. Now let me mention the fact that while some of the good gifts are given over and over again, they are continually given to us, the perfect gifts of God are given only once. Only one time did He give us the Bible. And Matthew 4 and 4 tells us the importance of the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the Bible is perfect. In James 1.25, it's called the perfect law of liberty. And we're warned in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 18 and 19, that we should not add to it. There's not anything that needs to be added to it. We should not take away from it. There's nothing in it that needs to be removed. Why? Because it's perfect. Just like as it is, it is perfect. In the first chapter of Galatians, Paul uh, in, uh, says that if we are an angel from heaven, should, should preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. Why? Because what is given is perfect. It doesn't need any additional revelations doesn't need anything added to it. It's perfect just as it is. 
And God's law has been given for the purpose of converting people, converting their souls. Listen to Psalms 19 in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. James 1.21 says that we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. And so notice the statement of Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Bible tells us everything that we need to know, and it is a perfect guide. Psalms 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we have the faith that has been once for all delivered to the saints. Jude, verse 3. In 2 Peter 1 and 3, we're told that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. So one of those perfect gifts given just one time is the Word of God. We don't need any additions to it. We don't need to have any subtractions from it. We don't need any modern-day revelations. The Bible as it is is adapted to the needs of man as he is. But let's think about another of God's perfect gifts. What about the gift of his son? The gift of his son. Now, now God gave us this gift. It's referred to in 2 Corinthians 9.15 as an unspeakable gift. And it is hard to talk about it, isn't it? Thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. And when God gave His Son, He did not need to give His Son over and over again. He gave Him one time. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he gave his son for the purpose of going to the cross of Calvary to die for the sins of the whole human family. And when he gave his son to die upon the cross of Calvary, he gave him one time. Let me read a passage to you from the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. How many times was he offered? Once, one time. This is that unspeakable gift that Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians 9. And Christ has made atonement one time. This is not something that has to be done again and again and again. It is Jesus Christ who answers the greatest questions that could ever enter into our mind. Maybe you have seen a bumper sticker. I've seen this on uh, signs along the side of a highway. Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. Well, I've always thought if He is the answer, I wonder what are the questions. Well, well He's the answer to some of the greatest questions in life. He, he answers the question, what can I know? And He answered that by saying, and ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. And he answers the question, what should I know? 
And I should know that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, John 3.16. I, I need to know that I'm a sinner. Romans 3.10, it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I need to know, I, I need to know what to do in order that I might be saved from my sins. And the Bible teaches we're to believe in Jesus with all of our heart. John 1, 11 and 12, John 3, 16, John 5, 24, John 8, 24, John 20, 30 and 31. All of those verses teach faith in Jesus Christ. But it also teaches that we are to repent of our sins. That's what we need to know, that we're to turn away from our sins. Jesus in Luke 13, 3 said, Except you repent, you shall all like a wise perish. And he wants all people everywhere to repent of their sins, Acts 17, 30, 2 Peter 3, 9. On the day of Pentecost, when people asked, What shall we do? The first thing they were told was repent, repent, and be baptized. In Acts the third chapter and verse 19, Peter said, Repent and be converted. We need to know that. And we also need to know that, that we are to confess that we believe Jesus is Christ. Peter did that in Matthew 16, 16, when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the eunuch made that same confession in the 8th chapter of Acts when he asked if he could be baptized. And, and he was told, You can if you believe. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he was baptized that very day, that very moment. And so the, we need to know that. And we also need to know that baptism is essential to our salvation. There's not any power in the water. The power is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Romans the 6th chapter, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. He shed His blood in dying. When we're baptized into Christ as believers, as penitent believers, as confessing believers, then our sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb. That's why Saul of Tarsus was told in Acts twenty-two sixteen, And now why tarriest thou, rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus answers the question, what should I know? And he answers the question, for what can I hope? And your hope is eternal life. Titus 1 and 2 says, in hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie promised before the world began. You know, Jesus Christ died to atone our sins. He's our Savior today. When Jesus comes the next time, he will come to judge us. He will come to judge us. 25, Matthew chapter 25 verse 31 reads, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all of His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations and He shall separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he'll set the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. Oh, it's going to be a great day. The Son of God is one of God's perfect gifts. 
But Jesus has given a perfect remedy for sin. And that perfect remedy for sin is the gospel. And it's not to be given again and again. It's God's power to save us from our sins. Let me read to you from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Friends, the gospel is to be obeyed. Romans 10, 16 says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. One of the reasons some have not obeyed the gospel is because they have never had the gospel taught to them. In 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, Paul is talking about this gospel, this, this good news. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. You see, the remedy for sin includes faith to change the heart, repentance to change the life, and baptism to change your state from being outside Christ to being in Jesus Christ. There's this form of doctrine to be obeyed. Listen to Romans 6 verse 17, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. Well, when were they made free from sin? When they obeyed that form of a doctrine. Well, what was the form of doctrine? It was a form of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And it is when we obey that form of doctrine by dying to sin, Romans 6 and 2, being buried with Christ in baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4, and then we come up out of that watery grave to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. Thus obeying a likeness of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That gospel has been given one time, and it is sufficient for man until time shall be no more. The church is another of God's perfect gifts, the Bible likens the church to a vineyard. And in John 15 and 1, Jesus that says that he was the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. And we are branches in that vine. Not churches are branches, but men are branches. In John 15 and 6, Jesus said, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And as a branch in the vine, as a as an individual, as a, as a person in that vine, in Christ, I have a responsibility to bear fruit. John 15, 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. But then the church is also likened unto a family. And God is the Father of that family. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us we should be called the children of God. And the church is also likened to a body that has a head in it, a head on it, and it has members. And that head is Jesus. And the whole body is made up of individual members of that body.
And this is a perfect head. The, it has a perfect head because Jesus is that head. In Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head of all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And this, the church is governed by a perfect law. And that's the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25. And though the members may not be sinlessly perfect, they may always, because of the provisions of the gospel, strive for that perfectness found in Jesus Christ. And if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and His blood continually, constantly cleanses us of our sins, 1 John 1, 7. And that simply means that I can stay clean and pure in the sight of God in the blood of Jesus if I walk in the light. And the reward for being faithful as a member of the body of Christ is a, is a perfect gift. And that perfect gift is heaven, the home of the soul. And when we think about heaven, our minds really are not able to comprehend that everything that heaven contains and everything that heaven implies. But it's perfect. There isn't anything in heaven that would cause it to be imperfect. In Revelation 21, verse 27, the Bible says, There shall in no wise enter in anything that defileth or worketh abomination. There isn't anything in heaven that, is, that, is, that has a flaw in it, that has any kind of imperfection. It's going to be a place of perfectness. And that is the destiny of those who serve God this is the greatest gift that God will give to us in the after a while. And it's in a state of preparation for those who are preparing to go there. In John 14, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. You see, heaven is prepared for people who want to go. And I want to go, don't you? I want to go to heaven because my heavenly Father is there. If there wasn't another reason to go to heaven except that our Father is there, and the Lord Jesus Christ is there, that'd be enough. I want to go to heaven because the redeemed of all of the ages are there. And there are people that I have known and loved that have died and gone there. I want to see them again. I want to go to heaven because of the beauty of the place. It has to be the most beautiful place there ever has been or ever will be. I want to go to heaven because I've been asked to come. I've been invited to come. And Jesus is inviting you. When he says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And ultimately we will have rest in heaven forever and ever and ever. Therefore there remaineth a rest therefore to the people of God, Hebrews 4 and verse 9.
Revelation 14, 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, henceforth saith the Spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Heaven, the home of the soul, is one of those perfect gifts of God. And I wonder, have you prepared yourself to go there? Have you made the preparations to go there? I don't know of anyone who would take a trip out on a ship, out into the midst of the ocean, without making some provisions for that journey. I don't know anyone who would get in an airplane with a pilot who had not made some preparations for flying that airplane. And yet there are scores of people multitudes of people who are headed on to eternity, going to eternity one day, who have made absolutely no preparation for the journey. May I urge you, with all the love I have in my heart for you, to make the preparation. God has given us good gifts, and He's given us some perfect gifts. And they're every one of them for our benefit and for our enjoyment. May God help us to be appreciative of the good and perfect gifts that God has given to us. And not only that, may we utilize them to His honor and glory that will result one day in our salvation eternally that one day we will be in heaven with all of the redeemed of all of the ages. Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Right now, are you saved? If something were to happen to you right now, do you know where you would be? Someone says, Brother Lambert, don't try to frighten me. I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm trying to get you to think about your soul, and I'm trying to get you to think about where you're going to be one day when life is over. I want to thank you for watching today and may I in the closing moments give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You will find a warm welcome there. You'll find people are trying to serve God to the best of their ability to be pleasing to Him and to go to heaven one day. That's what this is all about. And also, may I urge you right now to pick up the telephone and call the number that you have seen on the screen and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. Don't hesitate about that at all. Do it right now. Pick it up right now and call. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36529.
1-877-711-5280 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>